The quick question. How many of you would say this morning, you know, I would like to be used by God? Who's like, you know, I'd like God to use me. Keep your hand up. Because I want to get a clear picture. Good, good. I mean, this is a message for you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Pretty much everyone did. And if you didn't, we'll pray for you. And maybe after the service, you'll change your mind. And you would want God to use your life. Well, and the reason why in, in, inside of us, we already know. Uh, like when you ask that question, most people I have found would say, God, I want God to use me. You know, because inside of us, God has already put himself he, he created us with a purpose and he put his this his spirit inside of us and we are never we never come to a place of full happiness or contentment or fulfillment in life until we are actually living for the lord and so God gives us different purposes, given, uh, give, give, different talents, abilities, capabilities, opportunities. But when, when, when we find real fulfillment in life is when we can see a difference that God is using our lives. And so the title of my message this morning is about being used by God. How many would like that? Let me ask it. I, I, I want to be used by God. I want God to use my life. I want my life to be a testimony. Now, when, at the end of my life, I want there to be a testimony, well, that he, he lived for the Lord. And, and, and whatever he could do, he used, he was, um, for God, he did. We had some tremendous, great messages the last couple of weeks, didn't we? One from East Africa, another one from West Africa, and next week we're going to have one from New York. So it's going to be awesome. One of my mentors, Pastor Mike Savello, is going to be here with us next week, and he's going to bring us the word. Well, last week we had the message, uh, which uh, I forget what he titled it, just that quickly. It was about, um, could you help me out? Doing what you can for Jesus. Doing your best for the Lord. Now, today I want us to read from 1 Samuel chapter 13. And in fact, I'm going to go skip back and forth to different parts of 1 Samuel. And I want to read the story of David. And this is in 1 Samuel 13 is where the beginning of this guy's life comes. Now God says of David, he said of David, that I, to the prophet, who would ultimately kind of basically set the tone and set the stage for what David's life was going to look like, Samuel. And, and he said of David, that I have seen David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will fulfill all, all of my will. Israel at the time was going through a, a hard time as a country, and they had a king, Saul, it was their first um, uh, king, Saul, who, who, who had kind of started, started off well, and then went off doing his own thing kind of forgot the Lord, and, and Israel was going the wrong direction. And here, the prophet Samuel confronts Saul, and he says, I'm, I'm reading verse 14, just the verse I'm going to read. He says, but now you, your kingdom shall not continue. So he's breaking the news to Saul. He says, things are not going to go on. Um, um, things, you know, things, are gonna, things are about to change for you, Saul, because the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now at that point, Saul's life changed. And he knew who the Lord was going to anoint to be the next king. And his mission at that point became taking David down. David was a kid. He was a little kid who no one knew at this time but God. No one knew who David was, but God knew 
who he was. And Saul, Saul would dedicate the next few years looking for a way to destroy David's life. Now, <clears throat> there was something really unique and beautiful that was going on in David's life, and no one knew about it. No one understood what was going on, except God did. See, this kid, even his own father, did not think he would be anything. He would amount to anything. If his own father kind of put him to the side, yeah, I don't know about that kid. I, I really don't know. But there is someone who sees everything that's done in secret. There is someone who, what one of my old mentors, a pastor Paul Stan, who used to say, God keeps good books. He used to say, God keeps good books. There was something special that was going on in his life for whom God is speaking to this mighty prophet Samuel and say, I got a guy. He's the son of David. He's the son of Jesse. That's the man I want to anoint because that's the guy, he says, who will fulfill all of my will. What's fulfilling all of God's will? Really, that's a man that will reach his highest potential. He'll do what he was created to do. Isn't it sad when you have maybe yourself, family member, someone you love, that you see so much potential in their life, but then they just keep going through motions and cycles, self-destructive things, and, and you see them being destroyed slowly, sometimes quickly, and you're like, what a wasted gift. What a wasted gift. What a wasted talent. What a wasted... It is sad when we see that much in people, and then they don't fulfill it. But here God is declaring ahead of time to what they say. He was around 15 years old. He says, this guy right here, he's going to get done. He's going to complete. He's going to do all that I have created him to do. Now, you know what's fascinating about the story of David, and I'll pick on different parts as I make a, a few points this morning, is that God was not surprised with all, even the failures that David would have in his life. See, God he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He sees the end before it even begins. He knows the story of your life before you start walking. He says, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I had a plan for you. He saw the end and he knew David is going to do a lot of great things, but David was just also a human being who would make a lot of mistakes. But God says, this guy is going to fulfill my will. Can I tell you some good news? God knows your number. He knows everything that is to know about you. And he still says, I believe in you. I believe in you. He's, a, he's your biggest cheerleader. Even when you give up on yourself, the Lord says, I have not given up on you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And the thing that I believe that was special going on in David's life, this guy had a heart of worship. He was out there with tending his father's flock in the middle of nowhere. We would find out later that the guy was a writer, he was a singer, he, was a deep, uh, he, he had a deep relationship with God, but he was a true worshiper. He was not a worship, 10 o'clock uh, Sunday morning worshiper. David was a worshiper all his life. 
David worshipped the Lord. He knew the Lord. He knew who he was. And I want to pick a few things. And I thought, man, look at this guy. With how, uh, all, uh, uh, what are some of the characteristics that God saw in this man? And he says, I'm going to use that guy. I'm going to use that woman. I'm going to use that. I'm going to pick at, at least five this morning if I could get through it. All right? So, and what was unique about him? The first thing that I see... Go to 1 Samuel 16, verse 11 through 13, if you could get it really quickly. 1 Samuel 16. This is when Samuel, the prophet, would go to um, Jesse's house to say that the Lord's got something. He wants to anoint one of your kids, one of your boys. He's going to be the future king of Israel. And I'm here to, and so Jesse brings all his sons to the prophet. And the prophet goes through all the sons, and he says, verse 11, so he asked Jesse, are these all your sons? Because he had gone through everyone. Oh, he goes, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. There's a little youngster, Jesse, Jesse censored. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send him for send him for he for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Simon says, "I'm gonna chill. I don't have no time. When you know what what are you watching? You know, could you get me the remote? I can wait." And they waited. So he sent for him, and he and had him brought in. He was glowing. Health, he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took the horn of his oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel then went on. It's amazing how God's way of looking at things is so different than the way people look at things. Because when we are qualifying, whether we're qualifying people, qualifying ourselves, we have a measure that we use. And God says, my measuring stick is different. I don't measure like men measure. And how many times do we disqualify ourselves? Because we think that we don't. We're not good enough. We're not talented enough. We're not gifted enough. We don't have, we don't have, the, we, we, we don't have the, we don't have enough resources. We don't know enough people. We don't have enough money. I wasn't born in the right family. And God says, no, 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 no. God looks at someone's heart. The first trait that I see is that God uses people who have a humble heart. God looks, uses people who are humble at heart. Man look at the outward, outward appearance, it says, but God judges the intentions of the heart. In those days, that was le the least job for a guy. See, when Israel would get uh, terrorized sometimes with the Philistines and they would go into wars to defend the country, they never even asked David to go because he was perceived to not be good enough. He wasn't big enough. He wasn't strong enough, at least in their own eyes. 
But one of the stories, one of the most favorite stories of the David, when you think of David, what's the next thing that comes into your mind? Exactly. Goliath. I knew it. When you think of David, you think of Goliath. But think about that encounter. All the guys go to war, they go to battle, and they are totally intimidated by how well equipped the Philistines were. And they had the baddest guy in MMA at the time. Triple heavyweight champion, undisputed, right? And he says, send your best guy, send your best guy. And they were totally afraid. David comes, shows up, not to fight, he's bringing food. I said, what's going on? And guess what David sa saves the day? He wasn't perceived to be strong enough. He wasn't even qualified to be there in people's interpretation, but not in God's interpretation. What limitations have you set on your life? What limitations have you allowed others to set on your life? David was humble before God. He knew who his God was. But people didn't always give him all the credit. But humility of heart is something that gets nurtured in God's presence. When you see God, who God, God he is, when you learn to know who God truly is, you can't help but be humble at heart. And I'm not talking that false humility. Okay, I'm going to pick on a couple of musicians. See, these my kids and I like to talk about music sometimes, even though I'm not a musician. But I was listening one time to Christian radio, and one author is singing a song, one writer, about how they just want to leave a legacy, how they would be remembered, you know. Did I choose to love? Did I choose whatever? I don't remember all the lyrics. But anyway, the person said, man, I, I want to live a life where I can have a legacy. I like, two minutes later, another song pops up, and the song is about, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to leave any legacy. I don't care if they remember me. I just want them to remember Jesus only, not me. And we were just laughing. Is this false humility or what? You know that's not true. Anyway, I don't know who wrote this song. God forgive me. God bless you if your heart was good. But what I mean is that really knowing who you are, in the sight of the God, good God. When you know who God is, you can't help but have humility. When people walk and they think they're better than other people, they don't know God. You see, when you know who he is and what he's done for you, we were told that last week, when you know what Jesus has done for you, you know, right? And that's what really births or cultivates a, hum a humble heart. David was a worshiper. You know how many times he spent, how, how much time he spent in the presence of God alone? When he sent off to war, turned over his father's flock, all he had is, was his little guitar uh, of, the, of the, that century, you know, and just God. He had no one to talk to but God. He took advantage of it. He took advantage of the time. When I was um, about 17, 18 years old, I was really starting to learn and, and, and knowing who God was.
in my life. And, I, and, I was, <clears throat> and God, and, and, and as I, I, my prayer life developed around that time, it was so bad in Kenya economically that you couldn't really get a job. Um, it was very, very hard to get a job um, uh, at that time. In fact, uh, I would say uh, when you read the stories of the Great Depression and what was going on in the 20s, and the early 30s, that's really what was going on in the 90s in Kenya. Um, I, I think in 1992, the economy, I remember inflation had hit 100% in 1992, where one day everything, the price of everything doubled overnight. But people's money did not, the paycheck did not go up. And you know, um, <clears throat> people traditionally, people drink in the morning. Everybody drinks chai, hot chai. It's like that's just staple. You walk in everybody's house at any time, chai, whether it's hot or cold, you're going to get hot chai offered. And I don't care if you just ate a big meal, you better drink something and pretend that you liked it. <laughs> Otherwise, people will be offended. And so people... Um, um, Dependent, like they went in to buy milk every day, so people just every, everything everything doubled overnight. But I remember when, <clears throat> in the middle of all that, um, I had a lot of time in my hands. I'm looking for a job, and uh, can't find a job. And but it was also the time that I I, I used to learn about the Lord. And one of my friends that was older, a guy, he says, you know, take advantage of the time. He told me, take advantage of the time you have. You won't always have this much time. Now I can look back and I can see the wisdom of what he was saying. Because those are the times that I got built. Those are the times that I read through the Bible three times. Those are the times that I was praying. I remember one time I was praying. I just got in so close with the land. And you, you start getting deeper in the Lord. And you realize that the possibilities are endless. That, that even when, when, when you thought you knew the Lord, you find out that there are dimensions that you'd never touched. And you're like, wow. I remember one time, I'm reading my Bible. I'm in my room just praying and, uh, and, and I'm getting really closer with the Lord. And I've been praying, praying, praying. I didn't know how long it had been. I'm praying in accessory prayer. I'm praying for my friends to come to the Lord. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for everything I can pray for. But I'm also just soaking in the Lord's presence and learning of Him and having the Lord reveal His Word to me. And I remember one time I, I was praying in there. I went in in the afternoon. And I thought it had been maybe a couple hours. What I didn't realize is that when I went back in the house and everything seemed disoriented, it had been a day and a half. And I thought, that was like, it felt like two minutes. It felt like two hours rather. But it had been, I had gone overnight, nobody le they left me alone, and they went to the next day. Skipped a few meals. I was like 18 years old. And I thought, I'm, I'm looking at the clock, I'm thinking, what is going on? Did I just fall into... And, and I remember just experiencing that and thinking, in the presence of God, what would have been more than four, 24 hours felt like two hours. And I was a kid. But here's what I knew, I, I started learning through that process, is that God is not a respecter of persons. If we will seek Him, but the Bible says, if you will seek Him, you will find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. 
God is not closed up and saying that I'm, I'm selecting a few people. God wants to use all of us if we would take time. David had that kind of life at that point. All he had to do is go out and spend time with sheep. And, and, um, but he took advantage of his time. He took advantage of his opportunity. And he spent time with God. And that, I think, where his humility, his humble heart, the job he had, was he was humbling to begin with. It was like the job that all the other brothers didn't want to do. I was like, oh, just have the kid do it. He was humbling to begin with, but he took advantage of the time. All of us in our lives have time. I know we'll say, we're so busy. We have time. We have time. I was reading some research. It says that we spend over four and a half hours a day watching TV and catching up on Netflix and all that. That's not counting how much time we spend on the tube. The little square, six inch, four inch, eye something, whatever. And we think like we, have, we live in a time where we have no time at all. But what I'm saying is that take advantage of the time. When you're, if you're in the car, listen to the law. Listen, re-listen to messages that inspired you. A message spoke to you. Re-listen to it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Take advantage. Take every opportunity you have to spend time with God because Satan is competing for the space in our mind. He's competing for the data of, uh, in our mind. The world does not stop. It goes on perpetually. Information is being downloaded, thrown at you even when you're not looking for it. It's trapping you. It's pulling you. It's pulling you. Have you ever talked to someone like, hey, you're talking about one thing, and then the next time you log into your computer, you're advertised for what you were talking about. So how in the world were they doing that? And you know they're spying you too. For, for marketing. There's technology out there. They're listening to your conversation through your phone. And they market you. But the point is, is that the, more so than ever, we need to be more intentional in spending time with God. And that's what was happening with David. Nobody knew. And when you spend time with God in a personal, it's not like you have to advertise and people know. But guess what? He knows. He knows. Things start lining up in your life. Blessings start flowing in your life. Peace, like we were singing this morning. Peace so unexplainable. Things that mess around you, but you seem to be the one who has come. Uh, uh, trials come, but you're able to walk through and have faith and be able to, to have peace in your life. You're the encourager. Blessings are following you. It says the blessings of the Lord will follow you. People wonder what's going on, but no. God doesn't wonder because God who sees things in secret rewards openly. He rewards openly. That was what was going on. And that's where David found his humility. You, you know, and I, and I stayed on this a long time. I promise the rest will not be this long. But, uh, but this was a real key here in this first one. That God uses people who have a humble heart. And our humility is really begin, is born in the presence of God. Because sometimes we mistake humility to be people. You know, David was a fighter. So those two can go together. When David saw Goliath, nobody knew that the guy was a really good fighter. 
He had faced up lions all by himself. He had faced up bears all by himself as a kid, a teenager. But he had learned how to defend himself, how to defend the flock. Never got credit. He brought the flock back home and they were all safe. Nobody knew what he went through that day. Nobody knew what he encountered. He spent time with God and he learned a lot. And he was very skilled. Nobody knew. Because he learned all those things in the presence of God. But yet he still remained humble. Number two. First Samuel 23, 2 and 5. 2 through 5. At this stage in his life, it's really fast forward. The king of Israel is chasing after David. David is running away for his life. In fact, if you go back to, and you don't have to open it, I'll just read it. 1 Samuel 22, he says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his, and his father's household heard of it, they went down there with him. And everyone who was distressed, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became a captain of, of them. And there, and there, there were about 400 men with him. So uh, skip over to 23. So you see, like at this point, he's on the run. He doesn't have the best of the best. He says the ones that were my, that some downcast of the people who ended up kind of joining him because they really didn't have anybody else. So people that were full of debt, people that were stressed out, they were it was a downcast. They followed him. So in verse, um, what, what, what I'm about to read here, um, um, Did I say 23? I skipped one. Let's go to 1745 is what I wanted to read. David said to the Philistines, You come against me in sword and in spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord our God, the God of the Israel armies, who you have defied. Number two, the point number two I already made, but just to define it here is that God uses people who know who he is and what he can do. God uses people who know who he is and what he can do. In those times that I kind of narrated in the, in the secret place, if you would, David knew God. He discovered who God was and he knew him. You know what another verse says? That those who know their God shall be strong and they shall do mighty exploits. It was in those secret places that he discovered who God was. Now nobody knew. He wasn't a preacher guy that was telling everybody about who God was. He just knew God, who God was because he spent time with God. And so when they are faced with this opposition, they are faced uh, with this guy that's calling them names, cussing at them, says, send your best man. Everyone is freaking out. They are all afraid. And David comes in, little guy, and says, what's going on here, guys? And, and, and that's when he makes that statement. He says, hey. You're coming up with your spear. You're all puffed up and thinking you, you got it all. But uh, I'm, I have a different strategy. The weapons of my warfare, the, my warfare are not cannon, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And God, he uses unconventional means. And God gives them a breakthrough and a victory that day. It wasn't the way everyone thought it would go. 
completely unconventional because God is not out of ideas. Have you ever tried to balance your checkbook and you're out of ideas? How am I going to pay those bills? It's like I've tried every which way. I've cut everything. I've cut down everything. Um, when uh, Sarah and I, when we, were, when we became parents for the first time, when Judah was born, I just, we, we, uh, she had quit her job. And, uh, and our plan was always for her to quit at that time. And then, um, but we were going to save. That, those nine months of pregnancy, we we're going to save, 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 save. And so when she quits, we'll have a really good, you know, savings that would help us out through those hard months and then well she had complications with her pregnancy halfway through it and then uh, put on bed rest and then i decided well we I, we might as well quit now you know and uh we know we're gonna do that but now we've quit our income is slashed in half at that time we we're making about the same amount our income is slashed in half and now we're adding new responsibility to our lives thank you very much I mean, so we, 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 we started budgeting everything. I mean, everything was so tight. And uh, we squeezed. And you know, sometimes you cut, you cut through everything. And you're like, man, you know, I can't even golf. I, like if I golf once, I can't eat out once. Or like it's like you, you skin the cut, you know. But sometimes you run out of all your own ideas. You're like, man, I can't figure out. But God doesn't run out of ideas. Oh, we, we never wavered. And I, believe, I remember uh, as we were going through it, God just opened another door. And I think I got a, the biggest raise percentage was I ever had. It was something like 30%. I don't remember the exact percentage within three months. Well, God was not out of ideas. I might have not, but God was not out of ideas. God uses people who know him. And that's who God, he found, David knew the Lord. He knew the Lord because he spent time with him. Number three, God uses people who depend on him 100%. People who depend on him 100%. Not 99.9, not 90 but a hundred. <clears throat> I really do believe that the very first part, what I said, that cultivates humility in us is spending time with God and getting to know Him. When you know Him, you can't help but depending on Him a hundred percent. When people don't depend on the Lord a hundred percent, it means they really don't know Him. And so we need to go back to the basic to know him and to be known by him. Fear only comes in when we have confidence in ourselves. When we want to take control. And we think we are in control. But in actual reality, we are never in control. Everything we have is a gift from God. The time we have is a gift from God. The life we have, the air we breathe, is a gift from God. And if you really examine life... It's like what Pastor Dustin was saying when we were taking our offering, oh no, when he was opening, is that God is so good to us. Yeah. You know it could be a lot worse if it hadn't been for the goodness of the Lord. If I was honest and sit down and look at my life, I'd say, if God, if you had not been good to me, 
if you had not been merciful to me, if you had not shown me favor, opened doors for me, be, bless me more than I deserve. Don't pay me back. You know, sometimes think we want, we want fairness. God, that's not fair. It's like, you really want fairness? If we want fairness, none of us would be here. It's all about the grace of God and appreciating the grace of God every single day. And so when you know that deep inside of your soul, deep inside of your spirit, deep inside of your heart, then you know that I cannot trust in myself. I cannot trust. I cannot be shaken. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding in all your ways, not some of your ways. Because some will get very good at depending on God on some things. And some of them say, God, I got this though. Peter had an opportunity in Luke chapter 5. He's been fishing all night. He's been fishing all night and, uh, and he's caught, caught nothing. And Jesus shows up and says, Peter, uh, won't you try and, and throw the net on the other side? And Peter could have said, you know, Jesus, you are a great teacher and I love you. Amazing. I've learned a lot from you. But fishing is what I do. I've been doing this my whole life. I know fishing. But he had one. The humility to say, God, all right, I'm going to throw the net on the other side. And he caught more fish than he ever expected. He put his trust 100% on God. Don't ever be, uh, buy into the lie that you got it because you don't. And don't ever let the enemy lie to you that if you hold on to it for what you have, that you're going to be better off. Before the Lord, always just be like this. Even when he says something to you that makes no sense. God, I trust you. You're a good father. You're a good God. You have better plans for my life than I have. You, you, you're better at taking care of me than I am at taking care of me. When I said earlier, First Samuel 23 through 5, this was a time where he says that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? He was not the king yet. And the Lord answered to him, Go and attack the Philistines and save Caleb. But David's man said to him, Here in Judah we are afraid. How much more then if we, can go, we go to Caleb against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Cala, for I am going to give, you the Phil give the Philistines into your hands. So David and his men went to Cala and fought the Philistines and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Cala. This happens to our life every, every time. Your purpose in your heart, you know what's right. It's like what Pastor Ransford said last week. And then people talk you out of it. Make you doubt. People as in, just something you hear. What are you doing? That's stupid. Are you thinking, really? No, I'm not thinking. That's too much. You've got to take care of yourself. David goes, 
He's had, but what does David do when he has, has doubt? He goes back to the Lord. He heard from God. Life happens. He gets shaken up a little bit. But what does he do next? He goes back to the Lord. Until he hears from God. Here's how sometimes we get ourselves into big problems and big trouble. Because we, we hear and we know. And then we hear other voices and we get all distracted and we get all afraid. And instead of going back to the Lord who gives you peace, who gives you a word, we make sometimes big moves, big decisions, job changes, moves, like things that have implications. Get involved with someone that you shouldn't be involved with. Relationally and all that. And we get, we mess our lives. God says, no, I got you, David. Go back, I got, I got you. We can depend on God. You can trust in the Lord. You can trust God with your job. You can trust God with your family. You can trust God with your finances. You can trust God with your health. You can trust God with your children. You can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God. Yes, yes. He's the one. Without him, we can accomplish nothing. Fourth, people, God uses people who wait, who wait for the justice of God. I don't know how I phrase that. The point is that people who don't take justice into their own hands and they can trust and wait even when things are not fair. That God has the last word. We don't have to avenge ourselves every single time someone hurts us. We don't have to avenge ourselves every single time we think the situation is not fair. Now there are times he calls us to fight. God did tell David, go fight the Philistines. But ultimately, God is just. He keeps good books. And he has the final say. And just, even when you feel like you haven't been dealt with justly, God knows. God knows. In three different times, when David was on the run, he had the opportunity to take Saul down. I'm not going to go read it. I'm going to just kind of paraphrase this. He had the opportunity. Saul is chasing after David. David had a chance. Saul is sleeping. David is standing right here next to the sleeping Saul. And he could just end it right there. But he knew that justice did not belong to him. Justice belonged to God. Walked out and he told Saul, got an opportunity to say, hey, I spared your life. Because I'm not trying to get anything out of you. David did not call this for himself. He, was, he wasn't this ambitious guy that wanted to take Saul's job. God anointed him and says, I got a purpose for your life. I'm going to take you somewhere. You're my man. And with that came a lot of attacks. See, this is a true story of life. Because we have 
the purpose of God in our lives. God wants to use you, wants to use me, wants to make us have an impact wherever we go. We have an adversary, we have an enemy that doesn't like us. And he'll do anything he can. If he doesn't attack your family, he'll attack your finance. If he doesn't attack your finance, he'll attack your confidence. He will, he will zero in on your own weaknesses. David messed up in his life a few times. Had a moral failure. And, and, and at one point, he was tempted to take justice in his own hand. And the Lord spared him. But he was willing to wait. He was willing to wait. He was willing to just put the matters in the Lord's hand and move on. Painful, hard, difficult, humbling sometimes. But when you know your God, say, God, you know, when Jesus says, cast your burdens, you know, sometimes you always think about needs. Like that, that, that when Jesus is talking about this, he's saying, oh, bring all your needs to him. And he, because he cares for you. One of the things that we carry in our heart is unforgiveness. Anger, bitterness, what we've been done, what people have done, because people can be really bad. How about those burdens that we are carrying in our hearts? That the Lord said, I want you to, to cast those burdens and bring it to the foot of the cross. I can tell you without a doubt that I know the day my life began to change and my destiny started being clearly. It's the day in my heart I purpose to forgive my father for what I felt he did or did not do for me. Because I'd carried that bitterness in my heart. I thought, man... Dad, if you are there for me at this time, if you are there for me, my life would be better. Remember, as I started knowing the Lord, he says, hey, you got to forgive your dad. He, never, he didn't walk away from our lives. We were in the same house. You know, some people have, maybe don't have a father in their own house. So then the Lord brought a lot of good things in my life. But how many know you can be hurt with people that are just right there with you? And I was carrying that weight in my heart. And the Lord says, that's, that's the thing. I want you to forgive him, not because he's changed, or he's changing, or he's reaching your standard of acceptance. You know, I'll, I'll forgive you if. I want you to forgive him, to let go and let God. It's like, I'll forgive you, but I will never forget the pain you caused me. No. Let go and let God. I will never forgive them because they keep reading. Let go and let God. And I know without a doubt, you know, at that time, I didn't have this profound understanding of how God works and how forgiveness brings more healing to you. I didn't know all that. I was a kid. But I can look back on the walk of my life and I can know and I know that there is a heavy thing that was lifted and the Lord began to open doors of opportunities for me. Like I said earlier, in a bad economy, God will give me right connections. I got a great job. God will, I mean, people with better education, better, more talented and could not find a job. I had a friend that could not have a job for three, for, for three years and he was well educated, had a lot more experience. And God opened in the middle of all that, God opened a door of opportunity and I would begin to grow and I would begin to and I can trace it back to something that happened inside of my own heart. And it would not ever happen if I wasn't spending time with God. It's not to put down on anybody that's been hurt 
offended. His life has been um, destroyed maybe by those who were supposed to take care of them and uh, betrayed and all that. No, it's not to put anything less of that. But the Lord wants you free. And you being able to forgive and letting God take justice, taking justice out of your own hands and allowing God to work his work inside of you would open doors of opportunities for you. You're first with your own healing and your own peace it depends on it. But secondly, their own healing. Because sometimes when that person is released, things begin to happen. I know I brought up my dad a little bit for maybe if you don't know my story. That my dad did come to the Lord. The Lord did heal him. He was restored. And, and, and all the different hurts that had happened in the family were healed. My dad passed away in March 15, 2011, but our family was already reconciled. He, he, he didn't have the best run about half, halfway in between his life, but he finished strong. It's not about how you start or how your beginning is. It's about how you finish. And God's given us, when we leave justice in God's hand, he will allow us to finish strong. And, uh, and, and, and some fruit you will see in this life. Last but not least, I've already summarized. It kind of summarizes it all by saying that God uses people who recognize that without God, we are nothing. All the other points bring one conclusion. I am nothing without you. Without God, I am nothing. And that's what David understood very well. And he was able to navigate through his life. When he had his biggest moral failure in his life, it would have taken him down. And if you want to read, write this down, Psalm 51 was a prayer. The prayer God, David prayed after he had messed up. He was about to destroy his family. His kingdom would have ended. His relationship of God, with God had been uh, shaken because of, um, he, he had a huge failure in his life. But when he discovered and realized he contended with the Lord, and he was crying, God, you know, that's a prayer. And he says, do not take your spirit from me. I, I know that if you wash me with high soap, I will be whiter than snow. If you, if you forgive me, I will be forgiven. He humbled himself before the Lord again. And he prayed and he contended, God, I, you can take everything, but don't, 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 don't banish me from your presence. Do not take your spirit from me. I know that a contrite spirit you will not despise. A contrite heart you will not despise, God. Creating me a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He was, he, the main thing that he was contending for, he says, God, I don't care if I lose everything in this life, but the thing I don't want you, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose your presence. I don't want to lose that ability to come before you. Do not cast me down from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And even in his failures, God still restored him and God still used him. I want to share that message because I know that oftentimes in our hearts, most people, like we said at the beginning, want God to use their lives. Say, God, I want you to use me. I want, I want, you, I want you to use my life. I want you to use my talents. I, I, I want my life to have a mark for the kingdom of God. But it starts with the heart. And that heart is developed, it's developed, is great in the presence of God, getting to know the Lord. The 2019, I know we're end. it's crazy. I was looking at the calendar planning. How many have already planning meetings for 2020? You're putting stuff in the calendar like, 
I'm planning for 2020 already, yeah? Because it's going fast. I tell you what, God can still use us greatly. He can still use the impact of our life this year. Yes, Amen. Did you receive something from God this morning? Amen.